0: I'll just do a dub. I'll dub in your voice.
1: I'm Josh Allred. Right.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective podcast. We have reached episode 758. This is being recorded on January 31st,
1: 2024. I'm Sebastian Peek.
2: I'm Jeremy Hellstrom.
1: You know, I'm, I'm really proud uh MSI really stepped up for us and they sent me the uh the 4080 super expert and you know I saw it come in and, and it brought tears to my eyes because I mean how beautiful is this look at that look at that finish it's unique and it's got super pipes so it's really super
2: <laughs> Super, super.
0: Why does it say GTX?
2: Sorry, it's all over you. Why does
0: it (laughs) say GTX
1: on it instead of RTX? I I don't don't understand. Yeah, 480G. It's a misprint.
3: It's worth more. Yes. And Josh took all the extra time we had for this segment, so I'm just going to be Brett Van Spermberg tonight. Thank you very much. (laughs) Great. This is gold. I'm glad we record <laughs> this every
0: week. Oh. So that I have to watch it again later. It is. And again. It process. is part of it. And again. Yeah. By the way, uh, your we are it's a YouTube channel and website uh, called PC Perspective. And we have a Patreon page that we'd love to tell you about so that you can shower us with uh, money. Uh, so we can stay in business and keep doing this. And that's patreon.com slash PC per. So put your name in lights, put your name here and uh, uh, become famous, internet famous for a minute or two and, or just do it every week so that you'll be famous every week for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's time to move to our food with Josh segment.
1: Take it away. You know, I'm, I'm only going to be here for like five more years and then I'm probably just going to die because my arteries have hardened to the place where, you know, I have a heartbeat and my blood pressure goes up to 250 over 175 and the blood just, you know, shoots through my veins. But anyway, uh, I had uh, another terrible burger today. It was special and was terrible because, yeah, it's it's going to it took a year off my life. It's the groundhog. It's a double Bacon, burger blend. so what it is is fifty percent hamburger and then fifty percent bacon, and they mix that together and they make patties out of it and then if that's not they enough bacon on it. Yeah, they, they 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 first put a little American cheese on there, some pickles because it needs some acid candy oh, yeah bacon, not just regular bacon, but candy oh. bacon and finally, the coup de gras, they put their uh, their PB and J chicken wing sauce on there, which shockingly, it's really fantastic. The whole meal just comes together. And I tried their new spicy fries, which is essentially fries tossed in their uh, Nashville hot seasoning. So today was, was a special day. It's one I'll I'll remember for the rest of my life, which again is probably going to be about 45 more minutes. (laughs) Mm. I joke now, but you'll see my obituary and you'll feel bad because you know what, maybe he should have had a few less burgers.
0: Our top story this week is yet another super graphics card launch from Nvidia. It's the GeForce RTX 4080 Super. And we had the Founders Edition card for our review. Nvidia changed the embargo date so that all reviews went up together instead of founders yesterday mm. and and partner cards today like overclock models today it was just everything so there's just there's thousands of reviews out there for you to enjoy and so many cards and we just have the founders edition just a plain old founders edition card and let's just cut to the chase this card is very slightly faster than the original 4080 uh, a few more CUDA cores in there, it went from 97.28 up to 10,240. Faster memory, more memory Mm -hmm. bandwidth as a result. You have more tensor cores, so maybe a little bit better ray tracing performance. Higher clocks, 45 uh, megahertz higher on the boost clock out of the box. And, I mean, that memory data rate, we've never seen 23 gigabit per second GDDR6X before. It's unprecedented. Okay. But uh, I kind of have a working theory about this now. The dust has settled and... It's been a couple days since I tested it. That total graphics power rating of 320 watts, I feel like it might be holding this card back because that's the same power limits of the original 4080. I don't know. I'll have to do some uh, experimentation. You know,
1: I uh, I just retweeted something, and uh, I can get you that. The 4080 Super FE versus 4080 FE had two fewer core phases, power phases, and one fewer VRAM phase. Let the me super uh, had fewer yes what okay yeah, sure let me let me kidding. link that they have photographic evidence at least I think so but yeah it's uh I mean how, how do how do you cut two hundred dollars off well you remove three phases apparently
2: <laughs> apparently that'll do it <laughs> yeah I don't know it
1: <laughs> hmm yeah, so it uh it, it probably cannot deliver power as cleanly to that core, even though it's a little bit boosted up there. And uh yeah, I, I kinda wonder if that just is handicapping it. It'd be interesting to see if you know somebody was to uh you know do like uh EVGA used to do with the kingpin to really maximize it out. But as we well know, kingpin uh, is gone the way of the dodo with EVGA. Um, who knows if he will partner with somebody else? Probably, maybe someday. But yeah, it's been a year and four months since uh, EVGA updated their uh, Precision X software. Hmm.
0: Sad state. Yes. Uh, when out. you don't sell got graphics got cards yet. anymore, I guess it's not really worth it to uh, no. update your graphics card overclocking yeah. software. No. So. Getting back to this Super review, which, uh, you know, obviously is compelling content. Let's scroll down. Uh, the card, like the other Founders Edition card, the 4070 Super that we saw, is uh, hard to photograph without excellent lighting because it's it's just jet black. It is night black. It's a matte finish. Uh, that's it. It's the only difference between it and the original. Here they are side by side. The lighter colored one is the original, and the darker colored one is the Super. So, looking at the only charts that matter, obviously 3D Mark, where you're going to get your best theoretical performance numbers. And here in Speedway, the card was 5% faster than the original 4080. And that was the best showing that you, we will see today 3% faster in Times by Extreme. That's just the rasterized test, no DXR. Cyberpunk, a whole 1.4% faster than the original. And that was with, you know, extremely careful retesting, by the way, when I first ran the test, they were tied effectively. like, there's no way this is a tie. So I ran it again, made sure all my processes were, were correct in the background. Everything was ready to go. I, I double checked my CPU, uh, cooler installation, made sure that that wasn't a jar, you know, wasn't causing some, uh, CPU throttling. And then I ran it again, and all of my efforts paid off because I got an entire frame per second boost. And that's the average of three runs. I consistently was underperforming with this card you, you can't say that you aren't dedicated to your craft. I am dedicated. Because when I was upstairs making these charts... And one was at 97 and a half. And the other one was at 97 and a half. I'm like, this just looks like I copied and pasted the same results. So I need to go retest this and make sure. Sure enough, that was wrong. Anyway, uh, yeah, Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition. <laughs> uh, it's Let's see. 3% faster. 3%, That's that a DXR a title. Rare. Far Cry 6. Look at this. That is a 0.6% advantage for the Super.
2: That's an Excel rounding error is what that is
0: that's it's <laughs> consistent it's repeatable and basically the same story even with even with DLSS and frame generation it's still the same it's still like a 3% difference so just as gamers nexus uh, said in Steve's video this morning 1 to 3% and i had just written all of my stuff up and published it and i said yes 1 3 that's correct we're in complete agreement 1 to 3% and here's the power draw for this card which under load this is a speedway run average 315.2 watts so right around the same average of the original in my testing but i was testing with pcat this time i guess the original launch review i was still using gpu z for power logging but there were more than 100 data points over 330 watts and then there were another 32 data points over 350 watts including 10 over 360 spiking all the way up to 368.1 watts in this Ooh. single 3 d Mark uh, Speedway run. So it, it was consuming some power. I have not retested the original Founders Edition card using PCAT pass-through hardware to know if that's normal behavior for the original one or not. But that's it. So what I mean, power
1: supply are you using with this?
0: A Be Quiet Dark Power Pro...
1: 11? Power Pro, either 1300 watt or 1500 watt. I don't remember. And does it have the native uh, 12 volt high power or yes. is it a yes? Uh, okay. Hmm. They had sent me an updated one with the native
0: 12 volt high power. So. Oh, nice. I just have that one cable coming off of the power supply, which you can just barely not see. Here it is.
2: Yeah. Don't at the twelve volt high power. No,
0: I'm putting too much stress on the connector on the top of the GPU. Actually, yeah, please um, stop that. I will stop it immediately. <laughs> so there you have it. The uh, forty eighty super. It is only one to three percent faster than the original. Five percent if you count three D Mark Speedway, and it's seventeen percent less expensive.
2: Literally that's the entire review right there.
0: That is. It's 17% 16.7% less expensive. But I mean that's no, that's the entire it, story. What a value. As they I said As I said in the review. Top YouTubers are already out there with their pensive, disapproving, disappointed or pseudo angry face thumbnails just killing the low single digit increases with the 4080 super over its non-super predecessor. But to me this launch is all about the Benjamins. All two of them. As a matter of fact, so uh, here we, I linked to the IMDb page for
1: all about the Benjamins, and and there was nobody named Benjamin in the actual production itself. So, well, Benjamins, Josh, are one hundred dollar bills.
0: What
2: are not familiar with? Benjamin Franklin's
0: portrait is on the one hundred dollar United States uh,
1: currency. Yeah. So well, you know. You can give me, you you can, you can make our podcast, have a scally face. I can do that for us because I can get on a platform and discuss the last four years ad nauseum about the graphics department. It seems that, you know, with the RTX 2000 series, things were still somewhat normal in pricing. Yes. It all shifted up a little higher, but we all know what happened to the 3000 series, they shifted up a little bit higher and then you could never buy it at that price. And so you can get a RTX thirty eighty for about a thousand bucks, and Nvidia and its partners really, really enjoyed that. They thought it was great. So yeah, the forty eighty initial twelve hundred dollars, because yeah. you know, as Steve likes to say, bigger number better. And in this case, <laughs> you know, it is better. It's faster card, more feature packed. Uh, but yeah, twelve hundred bucks was always a a, a sore spot with a lot of people. And there are people who bought the card unhappily or happily. I don't know. I mean, how much do you like your money? Some people don't care as much and they just want a card that they don't have to pay $1,600 for, which was the 4090, which again, the, the only card in this entire group that is kind of selling for what it's worth because the performance on that puppy is just astronomical as compared to everything else. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was disappointing. And uh, then we got the super launch, and they did to their credit, drop everything kind of back down to closer to where consumers really wanted it. But we've kind of got, you know, a one-two punch in in this economy. And, and even though I don't want to go into politics, uh, because, you know, any single president doesn't have a huge amount to do. But uh, anyway, The credit card debt of the american people and um you know other areas is just out of control it's it's higher than really it has ever been and we just don't have as much money available to us because everything else just costs more so it's nice that they can get product moving for themselves and their partners by lowering the price giving us a little bit more performance and uh you know we'll talk about like the 4070 super ti probably next week again as i I have a card here that I'm, I'm wanting to go through, but um, yeah, it's it's a little too little, too late, and macroeconomic issues are, are probably gonna impact. But having said that, RTX 4080 Supers are sold out pretty much everywhere. You can only get combos now from Newegg and, and other uh, providers. So they're actually selling I'll be interested to hear actual numbers, even though they won't be given, we will kind of hear rumors of of how much has actually been shipped. I'm off the soapbox now. You know, you had mentioned
0: availability. I did look earlier and yeah, it's down to just bundles, some in-store availability at my local micro center anyway, but nothing on- Did you
3: compare pricing to 4080? Not yeah, but I'd the 40s are going retailers. to be more expensive
0: right now. 4080s are more expensive, yeah. and the 4080 Super is yep. sold out. So yep. there was a listing at Best Buy that sold out. Again, like Josh said, Newegg is sold out except for bundles. There was a couple of bundles still.
2: My favorite one is that at Amazon, there is still one 4080 Super Gaming OC left. It is $2,750.
0: That's Canadian, though
2: roughly a thousand dollars more than uh, an unavailable 14080 non-super like I don't think it really got launched up here
1: well and in, in one positive trend at least you can get a rx 7800 XT for less than 500 dollars now I think we've seen them for 489 and a few dollars less so hmm. it's an option Okay, so, when I search on
0: Newegg now, it's actually showing me back orders. Earlier, it was only showing yeah. me bundles. So, you can get a Zotac Gaming for 9.99.99 dollars 99 back ordered. And I think that's it. And it goes into. There's the bundles. Bundles. Yeah, yeah. out about of stock. That's out of why. Stock. Oh, wow. People spot all the bundles. Helping move some uh, CPU inventory, it looks like. Man. I'm guessing there were not a ton of these available at launch. No. So
2: hundred million people uh, went out
0: and bought them. Reviewers, all the, yeah, reviewers the reviewer, yeah, all There were so it. many reviews. I
1: mean they have <laughs> there the cards to go around. <laughs> no. uh, well it seems like the, the 4070 Ti super has been plenty of stock though, which is yes. you know interesting because that was the one that they we had heard rumors that probably that would have the, the least amount of stock, the 4080 super would have the second least amount of stock and then um the 4070 super would be you know that kind of the sweet spot and and there should be plenty of product out there but doesn't seem to be the case it's time for amd fourth quarter and yearly
0: 2023 financials we're about to hear josh explain (sighs) breakdown
2: unlike some other companies they actually believe in real time they
0: also yeah, believe it ending time. their
2: fiscal year at the end of the year. Weird. Hey,
0: isn't NVIDIA on 2025 already? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes I'm not joking. They were literally on twenty. No, you're not. It all
1: had to do when they did the uh, IPO and how they're doing the accounting, and it just it, it just all got whacked. Yeah. But, yeah, AMD, yeah. Uh, they, they, they had another good quarter, and they had another good year. And this is good for them because, you know, we're kind of out of the, the COVID time, and now we're in the A.I., time and uh for you know the fourth quarter 2023 they made 6.2 billion which is 10 percent more year over year a good year uh their data center revenue is now really really pushing the company it's increased over 38 percent year over year it's 2.3 billion their client revenue which includes you know their Ryzen stuff uh 1.5 billion which Think about it, you know, way back in the day, what four years ago, uh, they were having a hard time hitting 1.5 to 1.7 billion dollars per quarter. And now that's just one aspect of their entire thing. Gaming revenue, 1.4 billion. So it's down a little bit. And they're embedded, uh, which, you know, they they spent a lot of money with uh, Z Links. It's down 1.1 billion as well. But um, the things that, that really stand out is their MI300 series uh, accounted for some $400 million in that quarter. And I'll tell you what, they weren't shipping all that long in that quarter, quarter and they made 400000000000 billion. They're expecting around $3.2 billion just from the GPU stuff alone by sometime next year, not this next quarter. They, they did expect the, the ramp to 1 billion per quarter of these products pretty quickly. And yeah, they think their top end for this next year is about 3.2. So uh, that's some significant money uh, coming their way. And, uh, and it's all in AI. I don't know if it's sustainable, but there is a distinct and definite need for compute. And they're doing more things with their GPUs. Their Rock'em uh, and their framework is, is getting up there to where you know they can, they can provide services comparable to what NVIDIA has with, with CUDA. And that's huge for them because software makes the world go round. And if you don't have any software to run on your nice, shiny hardware, it doesn't matter how nice that hardware is because it's not going to be running. Um, yeah, gross margins up to 47%. Uh again, when things were really bad, they were hitting in the low thirties. So this is massive for them. And then they continue mm-hmm. to improve upon that. So, you know, another four points up year over year going from 43 to 47. That's again, quality stuff from them and they don't have their own manufacturing. They have to Have to wait for TSMC to open up stuff for them from, uh, you know, Intel and Apple and Nvidia and all these other premier partners that they have to, uh, you know, try to negotiate some wafer starts with. Of course, you know, wafer starts are still a little down this year, but it is something to consider. Uh, Fiscal year 23, $22.7 billion. This is just huge again from them. And you can do your math, and when you see that. Back in the day, they were making $1 billion, $1.2 billion in Q1, Q2, and up to $1.5 to $1.7 in Q4 with, you know, demand and everything was at the highest. Uh, they're looking at, you know, yearly revenues of, of $6 billion. And uh, now they're almost four times that, which is just Huge for the company. Uh, Lisa Sue certainly took over at a good time and has uh, led them uh, into the promised land. Um, they're doing well. Their uh, overall um, quarterly revenue was something like uh, 800 million, I think. 800, 900. I don't have the exact number right in front of me. But again, historically, uh, this is a very, very good quarter and result for amd especially when there's you know still some weakness going on especially in gaming uh i guess console sales look like they're going to be kind of grim this next year uh because uh, the revenue is going to go down uh they're expecting q1 revenue to again be a little bit down but still seasonally quite strong for them so uh there's stocks taking a little bit of a beating but I think as the year goes on, uh, things will will kind of improve there. So yeah, AMD, uh, they're they're not um, they're not the little has been that they once were. They're now right front and center, uh, one of the top three compute manufacturers uh, in the world. So, anything you guys want uh, to add?
2: Bigger numbers,
1: it. better. Exactly. Huh? Well, I mean, their client revenue was still really. good. I mean, the the their seven thousand. Series CPUs are are really yeah. starting to sell very well. I mean, it had a rocky start with those, and they, you know, weren't comparing well to the previous five thousand series. But now they're they're selling very well as compared to, especially in retail against Intel yeah. uh, OEM stuff. They they still are are going to be behind, and especially in yeah. mobile. Mobile is, is is AMD's weakness and that's you know one area that Intel just is ruling the roost. Um, well we had yeah, retail a retail desktop. What about the new upcoming like brand parts. laptop
2: with a Ryzen processor in it? Yeah. Right. It was a good ten years. You've seen them now, but it's it's very small. But it you know it it's growing. Yeah. And as usual, Epic, that's where they do it. People love their epics. Yeah. And
1: um, yeah, it doesn't hurt that they're just really well designed and they run. Yeah. Great. And uh, you know, for a while there Intel really opened the door by not being able to provide Xeons. And so the Dells and the HP of the world started to really push the AMD stuff because instead of waiting eight to 16 weeks for yeah. an Intel based server, uh, you can get an AMD one right away. And people, people, started making that jump and they're like, you know what, this isn't that bad. And in fact, when the later stuff came out, it was so much better than what Intel yes. had in terms of performance and power and cost and availability and all of these wonderful things that, uh, yeah, their their data center
2: revenue is, is a prime mover every corner now. And AMD wasn't the Baskin Robbins of server SKUs. I mean they didn't quite have a hundred SKUs, but it was damn close.
1: Yeah, they uh they they did this last they're they're starting to get up there in SKUs, which yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, moving on. Microsoft Teams has a bit of a wobble. Oh no, Teams, everybody relies on this for work. Whoa. It's twenty twenty four.
2: Hey, if I can't see the color of the dot of the person that I want to email, I can't work. I need to know whether they're busy or unavailable or But yeah, it fell down hard Friday. And they honestly didn't really get it back up and running until Sunday. So while you'd think that most people would be like, oh, hey, it's Friday. You know, that sucks. Let's just call it a day early. I can't meet with my clients. No, that's the exact opposite of what users do. They panic, they scream, they yell. And all you can do is look at them and say, yeah, Microsoft is down. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I don't know, should I put in a resume to Microsoft and leave you guys here? Uh, (laughs) They screwed up their database. So the best part was that even if it was working, messages sort of just disappeared or you joined a meeting and everything was perfect. But it's like, no, sorry, you've been put in the waiting room. And it went on and on and on. It took them a long time to fix this. And there were rumors that there were issues Again on Monday in North America uh, I couldn't actually find any because yeah I support teams and I've got a lot to say about the MIS MSIX installer that they've come up with nowadays for it. But yeah, if the teams died on you, that's why because it died for everyone.
0: Next uh, Edge is taking over Chrome yet again. What does this mean? I mean, aren't they the same thing, really, except that Edge has all those
3: helpful AI assistant features maybe, built right in? Maybe you've never heard about how, how many companies care about their logos and which logo is out front. You probably didn't realize uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> what, they don't like the fact that you are
0: using an old like Internet Explorer 6 icon here? Yeah, but it just Only still for says financials. IE to
3: everybody. It still says IE to everybody, I think. What browser did they buy?
0: Was it Spyglass? Is that the name of it? Is that what became IE? Or was oh, it, am I thinking of Safari? I think it
2: is. No, no, I think, I think you're I right think on you're that. Right. It's a, that's an ancient memory.
0: It's worth looking up. It's worth killing yeah. time on the podcast. Spyglass Incorporated, 1990. That's the one. They had the mosaic it web was browser. That's right, an
2: internet software company. <laughs>
0: Microsoft licensed Spyglass in 1995, according to Wikipedia. It's subject to change for two million dollars. That's like $2 billion today.
2: Oh, modified okay. It. We got to edit that. It, it's not modified. They broke it and renamed it. In, 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 in. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Wait, you're going to move towards internet standards? Yeah, we're we're not going to stand for that sort of thing over here. Yeah. We're going to make up our own. But it's yeah, long story short with the Edge thing, it always prompts you, hey, you could try using Edge. And so what a couple of people noticed is that, you know, they did a reboot with uh, Chrome open and a bunch of their tabs because, you know, are you really using your computer if you have less than 50 tabs open? And upon <laughs> reboot, Edge was open with all of their Chrome tabs. Pardon? Yeah. Because Edge likes to be helpful, and so it syncs everything you do with your other browsers to make sure that if you ever do switch to Edge because you've you know, suffered massive brain injury, uh, it will be ready for you. And instead of asking at this point, it just does. This is of course being said that it was a bug. Sorry, we were being a little bit overly intrusive. And essentially no, it just means they got caught doing this again and they'll just hope everyone forgets until the next time. Uh, when you start
1: up Edge, the first time it asks you to, you know, transfer over all your yes. data and, and to uh, you know, internet
3: history. You we, can yes. you can say the you can say influence. no
1: to that. We do not <laughs> want to share my data with edge and that's what i always do so yeah i never had to luckily have this issue well but guess yeah, what Josh? you go through their so helpful you know wizards to you know migrate over the things to edge and yeah just just don't
2: yeah. just don't do it this is the people that said no really these are the people who literally click no do not ever sync with edge and, and it on did. a reboot Oh my lord! Edge has all my Chrome tabs open. How odd. Hmm. Josh,
3: can you shorten the discussion on the uh, move to angstrom measurements? I, well, I, just I, make they, it a little sure kind of smaller.
1: Can. Yeah, I mean the the register had a nice little thing talking about, you know what's what's coming up. Uh, right now, TSMC is in the middle of of you know five nanometer production. They're they're starting four nanometer stuff. They're they're working on three nanometer, and and they're of course going to two nanometer now. Intel calls those things different things now. Uh, their ten nanometer became seven. Their seven became four, and their four became twenty or something like that. But yeah, it um, it's not it's not great. I mean, it's it's all marketing terms now. Uh, and they're all getting there, uh, but they have to do different things to get there effectively. Like for instance, Samsung is going to be releasing a three nanometer process, but they're going to be using gate all around GAA, which is a different way of, of doing FinFETs, uh, which is necessary to get the needed performance and power efficiency and, and, uh, uh you know, connectivity, electrical connectivity and, as little electron tunneling you know as, as possible uh, through these things and Intel's going to be adding that I believe to their 20 angstrom um it gets confusing and again it is all marketing terms but it's it's a race to get to the smallest fastest without destroying these super large and complex chips that will eventually be produced on them. Uh, so it's it's a really interesting kind of article that, that talks about where it has been, where it's going, how the marketing terms have changed uh, a little bit on the actual performance, and you know what each individual manufacturer is doing to try to make their individual processes more successful than the others. And uh, I, you know, I, I, well, you could you could argue that Moore's law died. In around 2006 to 2010, uh, if you really kind of take things mathematically and look at that, but they've done a lot of things to kind of get around that. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest things, of course, uh, is is chiplets and 3D stacking. Um, you know, and FinFETs have, have done you know more as well to to kind of keep that rolling. Uh, but we're still eventually just. It's slowing down, and it's getting harder, and it's getting much more expensive. Uh, building a fab, uh, I can't remember some guy who said, "Well, I am raising money, and we're going to build fabs here in America." And we've got, you know, some forty billion dollars set aside, and, and that's going to get you like half a fab anymore, uh, and and maybe some of the equipment for it. It's just insane uh, how much these things cost, and. Uh, how much it costs just to convert older lines to the new stuff, and I think they took apart uh, ASML's uh, one of their high NA things, and one component of it had forty thousand parts, and that wasn't the whole thing. And I'm reminded of of you know the the German Tiger II tank, which had something like one point five million parts and it, was a horrible thing to maintain in the field. Um, even though it was a really great, great tank. Um, yeah, it's just it's just getting insane. And, and maybe this is why graphics cards and uh, any ICs are, are just so expensive now because it's $24,000, $26,000 per wafer to finish one. And you can do the math if you do area on a 12-inch wafer and how large these chips are. You can get a good idea of of how much. It the term,
3: Is it just silliness? It's,
0: yeah. it's silly. It's it's marketing. So you're saying that this is the one instance where bigger numbers are not actually better? Right? Exactly.
1: Well, oh. Let's just Sony go back to bigger. 90 nanometers. It was a great process, it had plenty of good graphics cards. Just go back. No, but we went down to. I'm 65, sure you can still find Josh. it in your car. Hey, remember when
2: architecture
0: yeah, meant like the nodes? would get smaller and then they would consume yeah. less power and we'd have more efficient products that also had
1: better performance 65 nanometer yeah. stuff and
0: then 40 nanometer
1: stuff. And yeah, what happened? Remember when like the, the Intel I seven 6,800, was it an XTX? I can't remember. Z whatever? Um, yeah, that was, that was one of their last like 65 watt parts and then everything after that exploded. Seventy seven hundred was higher and then nine thousand much higher. And now we're at the fourteen where you can consume three hundred watts plus at the CPU.
0: You know, even even bone stock, if you are operating a core I five from a recent generation, like the thirteenth gen, those consume 181 watts. That's the stock PL2. Now, out of the box, there's no power limit at all in most motherboards. But if you are manually power limiting that thing, it's still 181 watts for a Core Mm -hmm. i5 that has a rated TDP of 125. So, I mean, if you want it to boost and hit its potential, it's got to go to at least 181, which is, you know, 100 watts more than the... 7,000 series stuff, like a Core i5-7600, was not pulling more than... I don't think it was pulling more than 95 watts. It wasn't that long ago. Why are things not getting any more efficient? This is obviously Intel's problem, is that they had to keep on increasing power (laughs) consumption to give you better performance on virtually the same
1: architecture over and over and over again. And because they've then done that, and the power supply people have been able to support that, then all the competition say hey, the, the top is off, we can go ahead and really hammer on these things because all of the infrastructure needed to get these higher speeds, higher TDPs, Intel had to do that and work with all the partners to be able to get there. And now we have 600 watt graphics cards and 300 watt CPUs. Yeah.
0: It's time for Security Corner or In Security Corner as it's now known, because of course, that's all we ever talk about is uh, security problems. Here's a story. Uh, sorry, Linux users, glibc 2.37 and 2.36 have a serious vulnerability.
3: Uh, that's glibc, please.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I always pronounce all of these acronyms wrong.
2: And ah, the funniest thing is that 2.36 didn't have this vulnerability until they patched a different one. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't. I
3: don't know if this is RCE or not, or whether there's there's it's it, remote. I guess there's so many things it, it, there's basically almost everything especially in the GNU library is yeah. going to pick up glibc uh, and all the linuxes are using glibc so practically yeah. every executable is pulling this in yeah. I, I can't think of one that
2: maybe doesn't so and it's a buffer um, overflow that gives a remote user root on your devices so Nothing to worry yeah, about at it,
3: all. And it's chain. It's chainable. It's part of a party of... It's having a whoop, whoop, raise the roof kind of party yeah. thing going on with a, a whole series of, of vulnerabilities that are akin to this one that were discovered by Qualys. Uh, and it's, uh, it's kind of a nasty thing. I don't know um, I, if there's any other mitigation other than upgrading to the very latest GLib uh, C238, uh, depending on what distro you're on. Uh, my understanding is... Um, that uh, Ubuntu um, is aff- affected. Oh, here we go. Fedora, uh, Debian. Uh, so yep. a lot of the Everyone. main popular distros. I, I didn't see CentOS on here. so No,
2: nor did I, but I'm assuming. Eh, maybe. It's not like Perhaps. they use a different one.
3: Yeah, it depends on who their upstream is,
2: really. But Yeah. Yeah. And besides your long-term service branch at that point, so you're probably actually running a really old... <laughs>
3: which is which is probably not vulnerable.
2: Which is enough. probably not vulnerable.
3: <laughs> if you're uh yeah, if you're on CentOS uh, seven LTS, mm. you're probably okay. No, I don't take my word for that. You, no. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Next, yeah, uh, the government's. Go ahead. The CISA.
0: The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency says that vendors must secure Soho routers against Volt Typhoon
3: attacks.
2: And that is the sound of Netgear responding. That silence you just heard. It wasn't
3: just Netgear. It was also the uh, Cisco RV320, uh, Hmm. a company called Draytech Vigor Routers. And I I have never I've never heard of them. I don't know if you've heard of them. No, I no And I have access no idea. IP cameras. This was found by a, uh, a company called Black Lotus Labs. Um, and it was determined that there's a, a lot more attacks against the edge network out there. This is just one of them. And uh, the reference to the CISA that Sebastian was talking about a minute ago is the US government begging, absolutely begging vendors to patch this stuff and to get just a little bit better at uh, making the firmware and having a little bit better eye towards security, especially when it comes to vulnerabilities like this, which I think attacks weak password security on remote management ports or remote management uh, possibilities using specially crafted access uh, URLs or API access. Uh, it's it's a shame. I, one of the next uh, stories talks about that. I don't believe there's a patch for this yet. By the way, uh, for all the uh, and, I, and what you were talking about, Jeremy, which was uh, the Netgear uh, ProSafe firewalls, which I think are rather popular. Um, you definitely want to, if you have a vendor uh, that is, has sold you the Netgear ProSafe firewall, definitely reach out to them about this and ask them what their mitigation scenario is, or is uh, as Jeremy implied just a minute
2: ago. Their response has been,
3: I'm this sorry, you are targeting I did not end of
2: life devices. That, that That's they're literally targeting devices that are no longer supported, but are still yeah. out there in vast numbers.
3: Yeah. And they again, they have a fairly weak um, remote management or potential to be remotely managed um, exploitable APIs. There's your problem. <laughs> yeah. And again, the government is begging, please, please get better at this.
2: Yeah, well, obviously they're not freaking helping. <laughs>
3: oh, oh, here's, here's maybe the reason why.
2: Yeah, this is why.
0: Final security story is from the register. Uh, wait, security courses aren't a requirement to graduate with a computer science degree? And software makers, uh, they're okay with this, right?
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, let's t- set the Wayback Machine for 2019 when maybe the security situation that we're dealing with today, which is practically as we deal with. And we sort of, we don't necessarily make fun of it, although sometimes we do a little bit, but every week we've got two, three, four, and I let go some of them. There's so many of them that are out there that are popping off on a a security vulnerability or some risky behavior by another company or an exfiltration of a billion records from Facebook or whatever, you know, at some (laughs) online vendor. What's a couple of terabytes between hackers? exactly i mean it all comes back to probably this problem right here but again set the way back machine for 2019 when maybe this stuff wasn't as prevalent 23 of the you top mean- 24 computer science universities in america were not focusing in on enforcing or, or highly advocating uh, part of your cs degree computer science degree was going to be paying attention to uh security designed in designed in built-in security uh f- Built right into the software architecture.
2: God, and in didn't a, a government agency we just reference plea that everyone would yes. start doing this at university from? And guess what happened? CISA. Uh, nothing. SFA. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Of the uh, twenty-four still. universities they looked at, twenty-three of them. You do not need any sort of cybersecurity training to get. A, a CSI degree, or a computer science degree. I, yep, no <laughs> infosec. What? I mean, you should be teaching your what?
3: four-year-old this at this point. It's a it's The the, pro- the problem here they're pointing at is a pull-through problem, and that's industry is not pulling through saying, hey, when we hire these people, when we hire the CS people, when we hire the systems architects or the uh, system developers or, or the firmware developers for these routers that we're constantly finding have problems, or these online services uh, as service providers, we're seeing this all over the place. Whether you're building Facebook or you're just building a web app for the, uh, a tire store chain. Security needs to be built in from the ground up, and if you're not teaching it, then the software developers just don't do it. But then again, industry isn't demanding it, and this is the government attempting to say, "For God's sakes, please, please figure this out," because it's not only embarrassing, but it is uh, highly damaging to re- corporate security and our national security.
2: That's not Taylor Swift is disappointed. Indeed, not that one. The important one. <laughs>
3: Let's move to gaming quick hits
0: and the first story. Space cadets should check out nebulous fleet
2: command. I'm sure Jeremy added this. Yes. Cause it's rock,
0: paper, shotgun.
2: Well, and I've played it or at least I played a little bit of it. It's you remember Jane's combat simulations when you were expected yes. to fly a plane, but like properly fly it and deal with all of the electronics that were going on. So that's what this is, except sort of homeworldish. Uh, anyone that's on the radio, on the audio version, you're going to have to look up the screenshots. Anyone who's watching the video can see what the heck is going on here. So when you take hits, they are not, Oh, your armor is dropped from hundred to 92. No, it's each and every individual part of your ship is armored. When it takes hits, it starts getting penetrated. It will go through the subsystems underneath it, which are also specifically located in the ship model. So you end up doing a lot of rolling and uh, quickly uh, diving or changing uh, heading in the hopes of surviving it. But one of the crazy things about this, and the one that I never really kind of got through, was that a lot of the missiles are guided. But by that, I mean, part of the tutorial, there is a ship that uh, your command knows is hidden behind an asteroid. You can't see it. But you send a missile that is dumb at the beginning but smart at the end through a series of waypoints to get all the way around the asteroid to then trigger and attack it from the rear end. Assuming it gets through the point defense or the defense missiles that it could possibly launch. It's very, very complicated but not obscenely so once you get used to it. I was more having trouble with the 3D interface because you need to spin around on all three axes to know exactly where that waypoint was. Homeworld was a little more forgiving. Uh, when you, Oh, wait a second. That was a little bit too far that way. It's neat. It's about 30 bucks. Uh, it's still in early access and they they're still working on the campaign, but it's gone a long way. I needed to go back to it because you know, some other things came up like life and Baldur's gate and that, so I haven't gone back to it, but it was really neat and it looks like they've they're putting a huge amount of work into it. So hey, I'd, I'd almost completely forgotten about it. It was nice to be reminded that I should get back to it and give it a shot if you're into that sort of thing.
1: So that, that takes me back a little bit to uh Don't it? Well well not only that, but but talking about the 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 Janes. Uh, I, I remember getting Apache longbow. Mm-hmm. And the very first student is, is you, you've got the instructor and you're, you're flying around and he's talking about and app forward is the, I had system. And it's like 15 <laughs> minutes of honest to God, actual real instruction yeah. on how to fly an actual Apache and, and utilize some of the, the forward looking infrared and all of the other all the, all the other systems to, to get it to work, and that was back in 1990, It 99. It was, yeah. it was a great-looking title and super complex, and
2: I never really got past the uh, the introduction. That's the thing, you know, best of intentions, but... Uh, yeah. And the manual on the damn thing was an inch thick. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they were something else. Next story
3: uh, from Game Informer. This is... What game is this? Judas. Judas. It's an up, it's an upcoming game called Judas, but the, the story here is one of maybe a little bit of personal interest for my own. It's uh from a uh, ghost story games, a gaming studio that seemingly didn't lay off anybody this week or this month, which is oh, odd well, because that's I, nice. yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, that they actually, I think I just need to know, uh, employment. Does it involve Rob yeah. Halford at all? Uh, not as far as I know. Uh, that's too bad. I don't know. But the cool thing about this is if you enjoy Bioshock and the Bioshock kind of has a a long legacy uh, going back all the way to Thief, if anybody remembers that game, Uh, that gaming studio built that going all the way forward. I think it was Night Dive. Um, Anyway, uh, the original creator of Bioshock, Ken Levin, is involved with Ghost Story Games and this upcoming Judas game, which um, is a lot Bioshock is, is Bioshock like in many ways. And, uh, I like that sort of open-ended kind of develop your character, hack the world. Um, and it's a little bit off the wall, uh, gameplay and uh, the way that you interact with things. I think it's going to be a pretty cool thing. So I am looking forward to Judas. Keep an eye on that. If you like the Bioshock play style let's move to the reviews portion of tonight's podcast
0: where jeremy will tell us of his experiences with another fozzy product
2: fozzy is going a little bigger than they have up until now they have been dead simple like when they first came out you got a volume knob and a treble knob and a bass knob and that was it they then sort of moved on to realizing that you've probably got an annoying person that comes over and just likes to play with them and Really, all you need is a volume knob. So with the XA3, what they've done, or sorry, the ZA3, is produce something which actually has five different op amps in it. Because not only does it have the left and right channel, as is normal, they've included XLR inputs on the back and a sub out. So now your left and right channels on your RCA, your left and right channels on the XLR, which are balanced by the way, and uh, the sub-out all have their own op amps on them, which uh some of which you can replace if you do feel like taking it apart. It got significantly larger, you know, mostly because of those XLRs. And, you know, the other thing, because you can't just leave it at that, on the front, if it'll focus here, is not only the the jack on the left side of your screen, switches between RCA and our XLR inputs. The right hand does mono or stereo because you can actually disable all but one of the op-amps on this and turn it into a mono block. Or as, you know, Fozzie sent me two of these, you can set up two mono blocks, one for your left channel and one for your right channel. You will be able to have your sub out. Could that what they intended? Could that be why I they sent you don't two? I because uh, I was wondering if they made a mistake, and they were a little bit, uh, you know, smug about it. And then I suddenly realized, ah, okay, so this is what they've done. So inside, uh, apart from that sub and the XLRNs, it's pretty much the same as the last one I did, the, the Fozzie V3. It's very much of a monitor. It's, it's not overly warm. It's fairly neutral. And as you can see in that picture, significantly larger the previous versions. (laughs) She's a bit hefty. Uh, One of the things they did was incorporate the uh, cooling from the VA-3. So you've got a direct attached heat sink on the bottom of this and essentially turns the entire aluminium body into a heat sink. And it has speed holes on the side so that uh, you can uh, make sure that you're getting a little bit of venting going. See, speed holes. The other thing they did, uh, because some people like to complain about peak power versus uh, sustained, is upped the power block. This is an option. You, you can buy this the, the normal one if you so desire, but if you truly want uh, a 45-volt, 5-amp power supply, they will sell you one, and it certainly does add a kick to it. Playing around with it, uh, like, this gave me an excuse uh, to actually finally say, hey, I need to buy a sub. So I went with an Edifier TA5 because, uh, or Edifier T5. Because I mean, have you ever bought a disappointing Edifier product in your life? I'm assuming you have. No, you won't. Edifier is solid. And gave that a shot. You know, there there were some oddities. Uh, for instance, you, you normally when you've got a source, you want to plug the left channel into the left, RCA jack and the right channel into the right RCA jack, but no, you're switching to mono. Only one of these op amps is alive, so your left channel goes into the right channel on one, and the right channel goes into the right channel on the other, and you're happily going. It's interesting. I mean, there is a bit of a, a price jump because they are, you know, doing a little bit extra, and this was launched as they did with the last one as a Kickstarter. So they should be coming for sale normally as of tomorrow. The uh, 32 volt, the previous power supply that came with the uh, Fozzie is 126. The 48 volt like they sent me is 146. So you're looking at, you know, a 15% price increase over top of the previous models. But for that, hey, if you've got XLR inputs and you want balanced, these aren't just there's a few products that will throw in. Oh yeah, we've got XLR support too. It's like, yeah, but it's not good. These are properly balanced. And if you would like to go from a 2.0 to a 2.1, I mean, the price isn't that bad for what you get. This is not going to blow away your $1,000 audio file uh, equalizer. But uh, as far as, uh, as a Class D goes, it's quite nice I Fozzy has yet to disappoint me and Jeremy, honestly from i just,
0: yeah. just want to know oh, what's boy. going on in this picture right here the back of these two units i see a lot of cables i see some insulation
2: uh so i don't use banana plugs i use bare wire okay they, they do both uh and frankly i should probably solder these in but yeah, um, there's four speakers on each channel and one place to plug them in. So there is a lot of twisting going on. I do ask a lot from these things.
0: Yeah, you're you're definitely changing the load when you put multiple speakers into one speaker output.
2: Well, no, but they both got the same different load. Right, I'm just They're saying story- like the,
0: the rated impedance of the speakers is changed a lot when you put four speakers uh, on one say. output jack.
2: So, you don't
0: say. Let's see. You know, the performance is a little odd when I put my four 8-ohm speakers and twisted all the output wires together and then jammed them all into one output jack. What is that? Is that a 2-ohm load now?
2: I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, par- parallel it's, it. a bunch, it's a big load Is what it is oh, And hey Lord. I, I dropped It used to be six On each channel <sighs> But I got rid of two of them You know
0: you could Take advantage of the fact that they sent you two of these things And just run them in stereo mode And then have mm-hmm. One set of speakers being driven by one And one set of speakers being driven by the other How many sets of speakers do you need? Um, I mean
2: at least four Okay and a sub. He needs all the speakers a room. and a sub.
1: Okay, all of them.
2: I'm a bachelor. I live alone. There's no one here to complain. Honestly, if, if you are looking for a 2.0 system or a 2.1 uh, 2.0 system, it's not an upgrade from the V3. It's the same guts inside. If you do want to add the sub to it, this is worth taking a look at. Other than that, the interiors are the same. It's still the the TI TPA 3255. Uh, the, the the nice thing is that now instead of being able to swap out two op-amps, I believe it's four that you can, or sorry, three that you can swap out. Uh, no, Dark Lord, those aren't four ohm speakers. They're, they're, they're eight. Just don't question my mental capacity. You've watched the show. You already know where it is.
1: Let's move to picks of the week. Josh, uh, please get us started. Okay, now... You'll have to tell me if this is crazy or not so this 4070 ti super that i'm testing comes with the uh the two pigtails you know the two by eight pin to 12 high and uh you know it kind of got me to thinking is that how well designed are, are a lot of these you know basic boards usually they they try to do the you know the the least amount of money and so i was kind of wondering it's like okay you've got, two of the pins, it's, you know, 300 watts in total. And it's probably not pulling very much from the uh, PCIe slot, which is another 75 watts. So this is a 285 watt card that the max you could put into it probably is around 300 watts, right? So I figured what if, what if I just get a better cable and I can attach three by eight pins to this and, and then I can, I can do that power limit up another ten percent, which takes it from what two eighty-five up, you know, above three hundred, which is more than what the two pigtails can provide. So I'm kinda of wondering if I'll get a little bit better power delivery and performance out of this card if I just upgrade the cable. And they're inexpensive, and, and one of these sixteen gauge is uh you know a little bit higher quality than, than the eighteen stuff that you often see. And certainly a little bit better than some of those really scary PCB, you know, three to to one that I I linked to in in my Twitter this morning. Yeah, I I, I figured for twenty two bucks, this would make an interesting test, and it shouldn't blow anything up. It Shouldn't, but yeah. I mean, if you want, Josh, some, did you not over? Go ahead. Did you not check
3: the fifteen percent off box on that? Because you could have paid less. I I could have, but I I didn't. I'm sorry.
1: All right. All right. What do you think, uh, Sebastian?
0: The opinions of Josh Walrath do not necessarily reflect uh, the opinions (laughs) and recommendations. PC Perspective, its parent company, or any of its advertisers, please proceed with great caution when buying Amazon special 12-volt high-power anything. See, well, at least that goes for you,
3: almost anybody selling you, a third-party tool. Yeah.
0: If you just use the Nvidia one, at least if it melts your card, you have a legitimate warranty complaint. If you use mm. Link Up 16-pin high-current power cable from Amazon, your warranty is gone. So, oh. huh?
2: I don't know. This, oh, it's a, there's this, worse in the chat now. Oh God! This, this chat one. And that's a quote. Is
1: that a quote from you, Josh? Did you did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, All right. that, okay. The himier, him I, I don't I don't, don't, I don't like know it. who that is. Look, look, that, that supports a fifty ninety Ti card. Mm. Mm-hmm. That was the one that I was looking for. Fifty ninety Ti compatibility. So yeah. I mean, they know something we don't sure know. Does. Yep. give me things uh, I do not trust for five hundred dollars, Alex.
3: Uh, for the audio listeners, this is three uh, eighths to twelve volt high power uh yeah. hardboard In one delightfully hard, hard PCB.
0: Gray cable from uh, uh, made with somewhere th- in the world from the link somewhere. up store.
2: Yeah,
3: this definitely looks very AliExpress to me.
2: Yeah, well, the thing that worries me is that no import fees. Um, wait a second. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally
3: literally,
1: it says adapter for fifty ninety ti. It does. Really hey. say that. Perfect. Well, no, that's that's the one that uh V uh, linked of, of my Twitter. Yeah. Okay. That's a totally different one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Josh isn't that crazy. He didn't buy that oh. one.
2: Oh. And Link Up is responsible enough to say that if you're running a 4090, there's a different model you should look at.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Josh, I don't think you're entirely crazy,
3: at least just not for this one one thing. Oh. Okay. This is the other one, by
1: the way, from his Twitter feed. This is the one that I really do not trust. The
3: Jimmy
0: Jimmier 12-volt high power, power modular to 3ATX 8P adapter for 4080 and 5090 Ti.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know when you jimmy something together?
1: Well... And that's from Newegg. Exactly. Well, Newegg Marketplace. Right. Yeah. All
0: right. Jeremy... Your pick, uh,
2: you know, just a minor bit of desperation. There's been some stuff going on here, but Hey, monitors die. It happens. And when it does, you're like, well, crap, I don't have the 1200 bucks to get myself a nice giant ultra extra wide display, but I need something. So about three or four years ago, uh, the Samsung Odyssey G5 series was fairly respectable. Not quite as good as the G7, but they also didn't cost as much. So up here in Canada, uh, there is a place that is selling it for almost 50% off. So if you find yourself desperate for a FreeSync, a FreeSync Pro display that's 1440, 27-inch, 250 bucks is not bad for a hold-me-over. And honestly, you might hold on to it for a bit. It's curved, it's got everything except great uh, HDR. The HDR on it is supposed to be 400 and it's not really, but, you know, if you're desperate or, you know, someone who just really, really needs to get off that ancient monitor that is just horrific and you can't stand to look at it when you're over there working on their machine, 250 bucks is, is not bad for Canada. Yeah, I'm sure it's cheaper in the US, but what can I say? Thank you.
3: Brett, your pick. I went non-tech and I went sort of car geek on uh, my pick this week. And uh, it harkens back to, well, look at this. I'm wearing a shirt that's close to my heart today. It harkens back to the uh, Scirocco from the late 1980s where my friend and uh, compatriot, uh, Jason Camisa, who uh, I've known for 20 plus years, I guess, um, got his car and himself Up on Jay Leno's garage for a drive and review of the Scirocco the Scirocco 16 valve and I think uh, it's an awesome thing and it keeps the uh, Scirocco what's left of them barely in the public's eye remembering the halcyon days of the 80s and uh, the weird little cars that uh, you could have back then you can't buy anything like this nowadays and it's miles and miles of smiles for the ten or 20 people that still own one of these
1: (laughs) including it's a hell of a (laughs) Malta
3: Alan Maltavino is part of the same group of people that myself and Jason Camisa were all in and still in actually we all know each other quite well so that's my pick go watch that one if you want to throw back to the 80s and an enjoyable ride along with Jay Leno in in a late 80s Volkswagen Scirocco True to form, I have no pick this week Uh, So
0: I think it's just time to wrap up the show That's my pick My pick is uh, going to bed And Ah. uh, getting plenty of sleep So I want to thank you for watching Listening uh, to the podcast In whatever form it finally Ends up in I just said in twice But not in, like a hotel Like
3: No, this one in In that word Yeah. Yeah
0: Yeah That's it. I don't I don't have a, a better outro than that. We will see you guys again next week. Or we will you'll see us cuz we will see video. us. I don't get a lot of video comments, which is kind of interesting. Just somebody linking their own YouTube
2: channel see oh, there. Can click on it and then watch. Be super